Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Greetings, everyone. And welcome to True Wealth. I'm Dave Basconi, and here in the studio with me, as always, is Maria Smith. Maria, how are you doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful day, and uh, no reason to... I can't blame the weather if we're not doing well. We can blame other things, uh, but not the weather. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, anything exciting happen over the weekend for you? Anything exciting happen over the weekend? No, nothing exciting, but it was a good weekend. Yeah. How about yourself? Uh, we managed to get all four granddaughters together, and they just had a great time playing. Oh, uh, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah. How, what are the age range? Yeah, two, uh, age 2 to 11. So um, I pulled the uh, older one aside uh, early on, and I said, you know, you're the oldest. And I said, when I was your age, and with all my my brothers and cousins, I was the oldest. I said, so that that means you're in charge. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I said, I always felt I was in charge, being the oldest of the cousins and the brothers. And um, I said, so you know, you you have to kind of guide everybody and and make sure everything goes along smoothly. And she goes, okay. Uh, she, she accepted the role, and uh, I told her later I thought she was doing a good job. So I don't know if uh, kids, anybody else ever had that thought, but that certainly was my thought as I was growing up. I was the oldest, responsible, and in charge. Yeah, 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 I actually can relate to that. I was the oldest, and I, I always felt that way myself. Yeah, it's kind of like what my vet said uh, about a do- about dogs, um, one of them passed by when I was there, and he goes, "Oh yeah, he's large and in charge." So, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. So size in some uh, kingdoms uh, in the animal world, I guess, does make a difference. So, but uh, anyhow, that's uh, that was what uh, we were doing uh, this weekend, and it was great. So, um, but I'm ready. Uh, what's what's on your mind today? I want to talk about um, Father Dolindo Rotolo, also known as Don Dolindo. Don in Italian actually just means father. It's the title that, that is used for parish priests, whereas priests who are of the religious order, it's used usually padre, but for Don Dolindo, they used both. He was, I believe, a third order Franciscan. And he did a beautiful prayer, which I see that is becoming ever more popular. I know several people who have heard about it and who love it. Um, It's called the Act of Abandonment or the Surrender Prayer. And also it's called the um, Surrender Novena. And um, in the description box, I will leave some links to um, Father Dolindo's works. And uh, let's see. One, this is um, Jesus spoke to Don Dolindo, and in the words of Jesus, he said to Don Dolindo, why do you confuse yourselves by worrying? Leave the care of your affairs to me, and everything will be peaceful. 
I say to you in truth that every act of true, blind, complete surrender to me produces the effect that you desire and resolves all difficult situations. A thousand prayers do not equal one act of abandonment. Don't ever forget it. There is no better novena than this. Oh, Jesus, I abandon myself to you. Jesus, you take over. So it's a really powerful prayer that I've heard from many people, including myself, that when things are difficult, and things are difficult often, whether they be small things or large things, it's just really putting everything into the hands of our Lord. Jesus, you take over. Jesus, I know you can do it. I trust in you. You take over. And then to not worry about it. Then to go on and do whatever is your duty in your state of life, whether it's washing the dishes or um, designing a computer program, whatever it may be, or teaching a class, whatever it may be, just to go ahead and do it, or doing a radio show, whatever it may be. So it's a very powerful prayer, and I wanted to bring um, everybody's attention to this prayer because I believe that it is just really what we need in this day and age when there is so much turmoil, so much chaos, so much confusion, and really so much fear because when we don't know what's going on, fears come and they, and they can take hold of us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, that was excellent. I agree with everything you said there. Uh, before I get into some of my comments, you may want to explain a little bit. Uh, you said he was a third order Franciscan. Is is that what you how yes. you described him? Yeah, he was a parish priest. Okay. Does third order uh, is that the reference of third order? Third order is the lay is anybody it could be a priest, a diocesan priest, or a lay person who joins any order like the third order Carmelites or the third order Franciscans. Um, he was born in Naples just a few years before Saint Padre Pio and died just a few years after Saint Padre Pio. And they both knew of each other and met and both had held a very high regard for each other. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. The uh, and you said you're going to put these uh, in the uh, notes uh, today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll put it in the description box. I have several links. And also, I want to add that I actually have the have the task of translating this priest's autobiography from the Italian into English. And while doing so, I'm learning very much about him. And it's really a, a very it's a very um, wonderful work in that it's really very humbling to see how much this priest, Padre Dolindo, Don Dolindo, suffered, how much he loved Jesus and how close he was to Jesus and how many wonderful things he did. He actually also wrote uh, 33 volumes as a commentary to the whole Bible. So 33 volumes of commentary on the whole Bible, starting from Genesis into all the way to Revelation. Um, only a few of these volumes have been translated from the Italian into, um, into English, but they are in the process. I know a woman who is translating the, um, the Gospel of St. John. And it's just he did an immense, an immense body of work, just so much writing. His autobiography was actually in two volumes. He did many prayers. And he was also a wonderful, excellent musician. 
doing such beautiful music and the lyrics. Um, a friar that I know actually knew some of knew one of his songs. It was just so beautiful. So anyway, he's a, a wonder. Very few people knew him up until now, but I think this is his time because as I'm speaking to people, so many know the surrender novena, the surrender prayer, or it's also known as the act of abandonment. Yeah. Wow. Um, again, everything you said makes so much sense. And the fact that you're able to uh, be doing this work um, uh, is going to draw you in so much. You probably will end up being an expert on this priest, uh, and which is a very good thing because um, if there is uh, a growing, a following of sorts, uh, people may have questions. And um, uh, it would be great if someone like yourself could... Uh, you know, give some insights uh, to those questions. And also, but this uh, surrender novena, um, yeah, I think we're desperately, we need to surrender to a, a higher power instead of the culture. Matter of fact, uh, a few shows back, we talked about which shepherd do you follow? Um, do you follow Christ as the shepherd or do you follow the, the culture? And that was a homily by the Archbishop. Uh, I went to a local, uh, he did a daily mass, and uh, that was the theme of his homily. And um, so it all converges that um, we tend to uh, end up uh, in bad places if, if we take bad paths. Um, and following the culture, I think, is definitely a bad path. That there's really no moral uh, anchor there. It's just whatever seems to fit the need of the day or the the uh, the, the bottom line or whatever. Um, whereas if we look at the you know the teachings of the church, uh, the teachings of Christ, it's always a moral code. And uh, when you get the morality right, then everything else falls into place. Just like you were saying, you you make that total surrender and then go about your day because you have the assurance that you've done everything you can to get the best results. Now, saying it and actually believing it and putting it into action, thats saying it is one thing, but putting it into action is the hard part. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short. They just can't seem to let go. And as a result, they say they are in surrender, but they're really just uh, not at all. They're just on the surface. It's words only, not action. Oh, that's wonderful. As you were speaking and you were saying from saying it to actually doing it, I had this image of saying something and doing that was way far off. So you're saying it in the in the right here in the in the spot and then doing it is like so, so far. And it brought to mind an old proverb that I remembered from decades ago in Italy, which was Tra il dire e il fare c'è di mezzo il mare. From the from saying it to doing it, the whole ocean is in between. <laughs> yeah, at least at least the whole ocean, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, like I said, uh, once I think people can do it, let's let's get to that group of people that believe it and put it into action. They're unstoppable. I mean, they just always have this sense of peace, joy. Uh, they're basically great role models for everybody. 
because it doesn't matter what comes their way. Uh, things that would crush others, uh, they, they just thrive on it. As a matter of fact, they almost say, well, you know, I know there's going to be a, a, a good ending to this story. I just don't know what it is. I just need to wait it out and do my part. And if you can take an attitude like that in dealing with some kind of a disaster, um, boy, what, what a what, what a good place to be as opposed to, you know, uh, just uh, literally being in a state of um, anxiety and fear and hopelessness, despair uh, all the time. Uh, just uh, it, it makes all the difference in the world. That's been my experience and when I listen to people that have also, I think, lived it, they relate the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, the best thing to do, well, actually, I think that um, if you want to be able to really live that way, you just have to do it. If you do it once and you actually trust God and you say, and you make up your mind, I'm not going to worry about this problem. I'm just going to leave it all to Jesus and I'm going to go about and do whatever my tasks are, my chores are, my work is. If you do that once and it works out for you like, and then the problem seems to resolve itself, you know, you have to do some things. And again, doing your daily chores, that's enough. That can be enough. Or maybe you have to send an email or maybe you have to talk to somebody or maybe you have to, whatever that small thing is. And then the situation actually resolves itself because you didn't worry about it because you trusted in God then you gain confidence to do it again a second time and a third time it really is that beginning what is that saying a good beginning is halfway there if you begin to do this if you do it once you'll have more confidence to do it again and again and I wanted to mention you said when something really drastic or you know a big thing happens I'm going to say that sometimes it's easier in the larger situations to do the right thing, to leave it up to God, because some crisis, some tragedy, some immense situation, we know we can't take care of it. I really think it's more difficult to allow God to take over, to hand it all over to Jesus in the smaller things, in the things that we think we should be able to control, we should be able to handle. Oh, excellent point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think you're right. Uh, when it's um, uh, so overwhelming, you know you cannot do this. You can't handle it. Then you go, okay, uh, Jesus, it's your, all yours. But it's the um, little things that we tend to think we can handle and, and not let go. And, and, you know, I'm assuming that uh, most people have, a lot of little things and, or medium-sized things in their life. They don't have that overwhelming disaster that you were referring to. Um, and so, therefore, they never get that opportunity to turn it over to Christ. Um, they're always tinkering with the little things or the occasional medium-sized things. And uh, so that reluctance to uh, let go of the little things um, uh, just like I said, keeps you um, c- keeps you in a state of uh, non-peace, if you will. Uh, I won't say you, you might not be unhappy, but you're never at peace. You're never fulfilled. And, exactly. Uh, matter of fact, our priest said something um, at 
mass yesterday. And again, he's the the young fellow that's probably been a priest for a month now. He had a good job. He was a sports writer. And he said, but it didn't matter. Anything he did, he wasn't fulfilled. And one night he was putting together a story and he saw on his uh, computer screen in a little block, uh, I'm not exactly sure, I think he had some kind of a YouTube uh, video going, and uh, he saw this, these words, only what you do for Christ will last. And he goes, for me, that was the turning point. That was his pivot point. Because he had this sense of, you know, I write a great story, people read it the next day, and then in another day or two, it's forgotten. People have moved on. So he had this lack of fulfillment. And uh, when he saw that, he says, wow, that really caught his attention. And that was the starting point for him to become a priest. And he says, now what I do counts. Uh, it lasts. And he goes, only what you do for Christ will last. And the whole homily was based on that. But that's how he started. And that is such a practical way to present this. Um, and it ties into what you were saying, too, uh, about the surrender thing, because um, all of these are just little different avenues to the central truth of what God is all about. And um, so when you take enough of them and hear enough of them, uh, you start to say, okay, there's got to be something to this. There's too many people telling me the same thing in different words. But it's the same thing. And so that was just, like I said, everything ties into it. All these comments bring to mind other comments. And so I'll be quiet and let you take it from here. Oh, that was great, Dave. Yeah, only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do with love, for love, and in the name of love will last, and Christ is love. Jesus is love. He is life. He is love. And the truth, too. Um, yeah, that is really important. And I do believe that um, it is, you know, every human being has these opposing qualities. One is to seek truth, to desire truth, to live, to desire to live a life of truth, of love. And the other quality is to desire what's easy, what's pleasurable, to desire to avoid suffering at any cost. And we're just torn. We're all torn with this. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, too, was that you just have to do something if you, you know, to really gain your confidence in Jesus. You just have to trust him. You have to do it and will it. One of the things that St. Thomas Aquinas, when he was asked, but I think it was his sister asked him, what must I do to become a saint? And he responded, will it. Just will it. Now, on a homily, a while, just, um, not too long ago, on a homily on the Internet, one of the priests there was saying, how do you become a saint? It's desire it. Which is really, you know, the same thing as will it, same desire thing, yeah. it, want it. But desire it seems even stronger and even more that something that you don't necessarily do it's more necessarily who you are what you have within you and the, you can have this desire that just permeates your whole being you desire to be a saint you desire to be a great athlete that's how athletes become great it's by desiring it and then of course they put their desire into action but the desire is 
there first. Yeah, another word word that comes to mind is passion. You know, if you have a passion for something, uh, that is what leads you to it. Uh, So if you have a passion to be a great athlete, uh, that's the necessary ingredient. Also, to be a saint. If you have that passion, that desire, that will, uh, it all is the same thing that uh, is necessary to get you to that state of being. And um, the one thing, and I know you're familiar with this author, Matthew Kelly, um, um, he, he talks about holy moments. Are you familiar with his, uh, his uh, writing about that? No, I do know one of his other things that he says that we must always be striving to become the better ver- a better version of ourselves. That I know, but the holy moments you said, oh, actually, I think I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead and tell us about that. Well, he breaks it down, uh, and it starts with this, uh, you know, we're all called to be a saint. That's why we're here is to become a saint. And people probably laugh at that and go, oh, no, no, that's only for special people. That's reserved for, you know, all the people that uh, had this special grace or had this special relationship with God. No, no, it's for everybody. And we're all called to live holy lives, and that's how we become saints. So to break it down for people, uh, he says, okay, let's take a 24-hour day. Can you make one holy moment in that day, just one. And he goes, for example, uh, can you smile at someone? Um, And uh, not that you have to, but you're in a public place. You choose to take the effort, make the effort, and smile at someone. You just created a holy moment for yourself. Now, tomorrow, do two of them. And they can be little things, but those are holy moments. Pretty soon, after you do this enough, they become second nature. And so you are now living a holy life moment by moment. And it is an amazing um, process, I think. And I think some people have mastered it because they're always pleasant. Uh, They were always, and I've seen these people in public, I think they're nicer to me. Uh, and they're nice to everyone, and I didn't deserve anything to get their, you know, that nice gesture from them. They're just holy moment people. And uh, so that's how you live a holy life, and that's how you become a saint. So I just thought that was a, a great way to um, explain it to people, that you step, do baby steps, and after a while, you're running with it. Yeah. Um I like that part you said about people who are able to be always pleasant. And I think the real test is people who are able to be always pleasant in their own homes and with their own families. I do think that there's a number of people who can be polite to other people or seem pleasant or happy or um, fun or anything or agreeable to the, to, you know, when they're at work, when they're at activities, events, and yet at home are just not able to keep it up. And I think it's, again, which it goes right back to what you said, the precept, only what you do for Christ will last. 
are these people being pleasant and good to other people or, you know, doing kind things or pleasant things, nice things for other people because they want to be thought of as a good, kind, pleasant, agreeable person or are they doing it for Christ? And I think that's where it just really comes down to the wire. It's, if, you're, if you are able to be good and kind and pleasant in the home, as well as outside, that's where you're really living your life for Christ. Because obviously, life is hard, whether outside the home, you're going to meet with a lot of contradictions, a lot of things that don't go your own way, and in the home. But are you able to do it on a real, consistent basis? Yeah, yeah, good point again. Because um, family members can be tough. Uh, and you're right, it's easy to be nice to what. Well, Easy. I mean, some people aren't even nice to people out out in the right. you know, oh, yeah. public. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's a step. That's a step. But really, it's only a step. It's really not what our Lord wants of us. And you know, and, and it could be an act. It could be phony. You're doing it because you want praise, or you want people to like you, or whatever reason you want people to think of you as a good person. Whatever the reason is, it's really how you behave and act with the people you actually live with on a day-to-day basis. Yes, I would, I would agree with that because uh, those are the people that, um, you know, can if they, some habits could rub, rub you the wrong way. So uh, if you have to deal with it every day in the home situation, then uh, that can cause a controversy. That can cause ill feelings. And so... If you're able to take those situations and make a holy moment out of them, then that's the real test. And then, you know, going out into the public, I think you're really um, able to do that uh, because uh, if someone cuts you off in traffic or at work, someone snubs you or something like that, uh, you've already got some pretty good training at home. You've already met the real test at home, and it's easy to take out. Uh, Although I have to say, you know, driving, somebody cuts you off, I tend to think that men really do take that pretty seriously. I think that's an actual great test for for many men, and probably some women, but definitely many men. I think that's a big that's a big test, a big trial right there. Yeah, I would say in my family, I'm the more lenient. (laughs) My wife tends to be. uh, She notices every little thing. And uh, uh, I tend to, be, I, I think I break the the uh, the mold on that one. I, I, and I also will stop and ask for directions if I think I'm lost. I will stop and ask for directions immediately. There's always, I mean, yeah. There's always, there always has to be those who break the mold. I break the mold in, in many things, you know, as far as what women do and and don't do. I really don't like small talk. I know most women do prefer to talk about things that I consider more trivial, so that I really break the mold there. I really am much more like, you know, let's, um, let's just get down to what's really important, and if not, I really would rather not talk about it because then I feel like, whoa, I wasted my time. So, it, you know, it's, it's um, actually I've learned to, to be much better at small talk. Again, I think it has its purpose. I don't think that it's necessarily wrong. It's something that's been difficult for me, and I've only really gotten good at it in the last years of my life. You've gotten better at it, you say, in the last Oh, I've gotten much better at it. I think, you know, I was thinking, too, because 
um, men who are not good at small talk usually often never become good at small talk, whereas yep. women, because we are, and here I am very much more uh, feminine, more womanly, is I, I, I'm really drawn to people, and I will do what it takes to, to have the relationships and the connections and to really nurture people. So I will learn certain things. I will, you know, things that are difficult for me, whereas I think men, when other things are difficult for them, like say um, working at a difficult job, they'll master that because that is more essential to who they are and to their purpose in life. So as far as for me, it's re- I'm really glad I worked hard at it. I, I would, will continue to do so to really be better at small talk because there is a purpose to it. And I think it really um, relaxes people. It draws people in. And so for me, it's a way of drawing people in. But if I'm only going to continue on that small talk, even now, I can't do it. Like, no, I, you know, I'll do it for a little bit. I go, if it's not going anywhere, I'm not going to just continue for an hour and a half talking about all trivial things. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm like you. I, a little bit of small talk, uh, you know, to break the ice and things like that, uh, maybe to learn, if it's a stranger to um, uh, you get to know them a little bit. Uh, if it's family, uh, you know, you already know them. But uh, I, I need to get to something that has some substance to it, you know. Um, it doesn't have to be, um, and it can be controversial. Uh, and, and the one thing I've worked on is not getting into an argument, uh, trying to discuss it in a, you know, uh, in, in a good way, in a sane way. Uh, where maybe I learned something or they learned something. But uh, small talk, I'm okay for a little bit of it, but mm, like I'm with you. I, I, I need to get to the meat of, the, of something. So when you leave that encounter, you say, you know what, I've learned something. I've grown. I've grown. I've grown and the other person has grown. I Hopefully I gave something to that other person that they would not yeah. otherwise have found. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so important, so important. So And again, all of that, kind of ties into the holy moment thing, you know, engaging in a little small talk to make the other person comfortable. You've, uh, if it's a family member, uh, there's that holy moment at home. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That is so true. Well, we've reached the end of our time again. This is wonderful. And then, um, so yeah, do you have any um, concluding words? No, no. We touched on a bunch of things, but that's always how it seems to go. And that's good because that just shows the link between everything. Uh, you know, when you start talking about Christ and God and holy lives and saints and priests, boy, it all comes together so in a seamless way. And that's really, I think, important. And um, it, it also tells a lot about what we're talking about, how, how uh, serious and how true it is. Yes, yes, it certainly does. So... Um, if, unless you have something, uh, Maria, we'll close with a prayer. No, I'm all done for today. It was wonderful. Yes. Let's close with a prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. So, Maria, have a nice week. You too, Dave, and God bless everybody. God bless all all our listeners, and, um, yeah, have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Thank thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the program, and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.